The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Well, all I can say about this weekend was it was certainly filled. A lot of things that would make me think about God's divine hand. It's one of the things that really happened for me over this Martin Luther King holiday. The other thing is, I have had this cold now for weeks, and it's not anything else. You know, I don't have the flu. I don't have the dreaded virus. I just have a cold. And because I never stop, because I continue to meet my obligations, whatever they may be, I have not gotten over this cold. And I, I finally... Uh, you know, gave in and went to see, uh, you know, went to one of these emergency urgent care places and uh, much to my chagrin and also just confirmation, I have a cold. I have a really bad cold. I have a cold in my, I got a cold in my head and I have a cold in my chest, both places. But I don't feel particularly bad so I'm going to endeavor to do my program as normal. And if I uh, <clears throat> my voice gets scratchy or you hear a little clearing of the throat, just forgive me and realize that I love you so much that I couldn't even stay in bed. I had to uh, do this. I already had to disappoint a group for for tonight. Um, I'm praying that I'm in you know good shape tomorrow. I have another obligation, but I just you know my calendar is always full always. And therefore, there's no rest in sight. No rest for the weary, as they say. But I'm not complaining. I'm just explaining. There is a difference. But uh, this weekend was pretty remarkable. I had a friend who came down, well, all of last week she was with me, my friend who is the farmer, rancher in Kentucky that I visited. I'd broadcast from her ranch and I told all kinds of stories about um, my experiences on the Alpaca Llama Bunny Rescue Ranch called Reclaimed Ranch in Kentucky and uh, and all of the adventures on the pig farm next door that Paige and Alex own and just all this uh, wonderful stuff about how most of America doesn't live in cities and really don't care that much about the things that we spend hours every day thinking about and talking about, which I find remarkable which is why Donald Trump was so astute when he talked about the forgotten men and women, because there are legions of them and we don't think about them. And there are legions of them all over the world. So my friend, whose name is Melissa, went on a three-day cruise to the Bahamas. That's why she was down in Florida. Well, she came early to visit with me, but then she went off on this three-day cruise on um, one of these Royal Caribbean ships called Liberty of the, of the seas. And uh, she was supposed to let me know when she was coming back so I'd be able to pick her up at the port because she then had a flight to Kentucky um, yesterday. So when I, uh, I, I texted her, but she did not have phone service at sea. So uh, early yesterday morning, she texted me and said, we're docking now. My phone finally works. Um, and so I, I said, okay, well, just let me know what dock you're at, and what time you're going to disembark, and I'll, I will pick you up, you know, and this was, I'm, you know, I'm delighted. 
and she texts me, boy, do I have some stories to tell. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, she's single. Maybe it's like a romance, a shipside romance or something, you know, hoping that it's nothing bad. And she said it was nothing bad. So I'm thinking that she just had the most wonderful time and ate the most wonderful meals and everything was just wonderful. That's, you know, what I'm hoping. Uh, and then I get the text that they have uh, disembarked and I can come pick her up at any time. And I go down to the port and it's always fascinating when I go to the port because there's that moment of truth, really, every time I go to the port where I realize that I am going to be asked the question by the person at the gate, you show your driver's license, and then they say, are there any weapons in, in the car? And it's that moment when I have to quickly go through my brain and say, am I carrying, since I carry most of the time, or did I remember not to do it? And by the grace of God, um, I had put my, my weapon inside a different um, purse so I didn't have it with me, so I could answer honestly. But it was that moment of truth where I always sit there and think, will I lie? You know, because I'm certainly not going to say, why, yes, I am armed. Even though I have a concealed weapons permit, I just don't think that that will help me to get to the dock, you know. But I was fortunately, fortunately, I didn't have to make that decision, although I did hear over the weekend that now Wells Fargo has discontinued relationships with gun dealers here in the state of Florida. So um, while my friend Joe never calls for a boycott, you can make choices about what banks you use. And if the bank whose logo is a stagecoach surrounded by armed guys, Western looking, you know, cowboys or whatever you call them, if they are going to play these games with my Second Amendment rights, they're going to have to play them without me. Not that I bank at Wells Fargo, but the, the list of banks I'm allowed to do business with keep shrinking, you know, although I don't trust banks anymore either. So that's uh, neither here nor there. Anyway, my friend gets into the car and says to me, we rescued 17 Cuban migrants at sea. Now, I want you to try and wrap your mind around this, okay? Because it, it was one of those moments where I was just kind of stunned because I'm one of these people who is very concerned about immigration and illegal immigration and things of that nature. But there's one country that I have always said, they have a pass, and that is Cuba. If you're fleeing Cuba, if you're fleeing the communist regime in Cuba, we have always welcomed you into this country. And in particular, um, you know, you're bringing with you the kinds of values that people like me really like. I mean, you look at our Cuban immigrant population in Miami, those are my heroes. You know, they don't care what the prevailing Hispanic attitude or Latinx or whatever you call it. They're not interested in that. They believe in hard work. They believe in, uh, you know, uh, families. They believe in the right of life. They believe in faith. They're faith-driven people. And so, you know, they make a very welcome refugees, let's put it that way, because they're not migrants, they're fleeing, okay? If they get caught and sent back, they'll be put in prison, and those prisons are awful, and they'll probably uh, not survive. So when she told me they rescued these 17, I had that immediate feeling in the pit of my stomach, oh my goodness, what happens now, you know? And then she provided me with uh, still photos and video, which I have sent to my producers in the hopes that we can get some of it up. It was 
a stunning rescue. And it began when people on the ship sitting down to breakfast looked out and they saw in the distance something bobbing. And my friend said she thought, well, this must be a marker, you know, of some sort. Um, but as it got closer or as the ship suddenly cut its engines, she said it was obviously something with a mast. Um, only the mast only seemed to have a small flag at the top, as she described it, which turned out not to be a flag at all, but what was left of the sail. So the uh, captain, they were supposed to dock at Coco Cay. That was part of the trip. And the uh, captain had said they would not be docking there because the weather was inclement. So now I want you to imagine people on a small sailboat in inclement weather in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, okay? And um, what are the odds that anybody's going to spot them? What are the odds that anybody's going to decide to actually rescue them? The first thing the captain apparently did, and I have not had an opportunity to talk to the captain. He has been interviewed, and I've looked at the interview. Um, I haven't been able to talk to anybody except my friend Melissa about this so far, but we're attempting to make contact with not only the captain, but with a family member of one of the uh, migrants who actually saw a posting on Facebook by one of the passengers. And it was her brother. She saw her brother on that boat and was so grateful because they thought that they were lost at sea. 15 days they were lost at sea. They ran out of food and water five days ago or five days before the rescue. There were two women and 15 men on something that if you look at the pictures, barely resembles a sailboat. Sail was gone. These people were literally rowing with oars in the vast Atlantic Ocean. And uh, when the captain decided he would call the Coast Guard, because one's expectation would be mine anyway, is that the Coast Guard will come out and perform this rescue, right? But the, post, uh, the Coast Guard rather said, uh, no, the weather's inclement, we can't do anything. Now, I have to believe that maybe it was a really just a decent, humane person in the Coast Guard who said, oh, man, we'd have to repatriate these guys. Let's just see what the cruise ship captain decides to do. And much to his credit, Captain Frank said, we're not leaving these people out here. These are somebody's family. We're going to stop the ship. We're going to, uh, you know, get whatever maneuvering they had to do to get close enough to uh, you know, send a rope over the side, a rope where one person was left in the little boat, in this rickety little boat, and the waves were, you know, crashing all around. And the people, one by one, shimmied up this rope into the uh, cruise ship. And then the final guy, can you imagine? He has no one holding the rope anymore. And he has to let the, sh the little boat go and he is trying to shimmy up that rope. She said it was heartbreaking. You know, he struggled and struggled, but he made it, right? So all 17 did get onto the cruise ship and two were seriously uh, compromised and had to get medical attention from the staff on the ship right away. But she then sent me a picture of this little boat just drifting away from the cruise ship out into the vast Atlantic Ocean. And all I could think of and all my husband could think of was, but God, only God could have s seen those people struggling out there 
and sent a cruise ship with a captain who was not going to leave them. A captain who had enough humanity in him to make sure that those people didn't end up drifting away with the boat. I mean, obviously, they would have died out there in another couple of days if, if they lasted even that long. They had no food, no water for five days. You are delusional at that point. And I just, you know, what an end, what a, what a thing to happen on a pleasure cruise, right? Um, and of course, uh, my friend was deeply, deeply moved and very upset that many of the other passengers, like, you know, looked at it, they brought the people on board, and then they went back to the casino or back to the restaurant. And she said, I like could not eat because I realized that these people had not had food in five days out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean with nothing but sky and, and sea. And so I'm grateful. I'm grateful that they were rescued. I have no idea what's going to happen. Well, I'm going to follow the story as closely as I can. Uh, Royal Caribbean's Liberty of the Sea uh, has issued a statement that um, they, they rescued the 17 Cuban migrants. Um, people were running around down the hallway to check it out. It was a surreal experience. It was a three-night cruise, and it was, again, as I said, supposed to dock at Coco Cay. But uh, while they were en route to the Bahamas, they found this small vessel adrift and in need of assistance. And they launched immediately a rescue operation, safely bringing 17 people on board. And they were being given medical attention. Of course, they were working with the United States Coast Guard. And all I can say is, this week, I saw God's hand over and over again in so many different ways, in so many different places. And so when I read the horrific news, whether it's what's going on in the Ukraine or whether what's going on in, in, on the southern border or whether it's what's going on in, uh, you know, around this country where you see people uh, just b b bankrupt, you know, they, they don't know how they're going to survive. They don't know if they can feed their families. They don't have, you know, their rents are astronomical. They're struggling and struggling and it's horrible. I am reminded that there could be people, and I bet there are right now, people who are so desperate to come here to this country where we whine and complain about everything all the time, where we, where, where we teach our children to, to despise the founding fathers and the very, very uh, incredible journey that we as Americans have taken from our beginnings to today. People will risk their lives to get here. People will find that they are unable to survive where they are, so they come here. And it's the hand of God that brings us to where we are today. I was not born here um, because I deserved it. It was, it was, it was my destiny, and I'm just so. I'm one of these Americans who say, no matter how bad it gets, this country is worth fighting for. This country is worth believing in, and it's definitely worth a round of applause, especially when we do something wonderful. Anyway, don't forget to download our app, the 850 WFTL app. That way you would have an 
opportunity to hear podcasts and shows that you may have missed. We've been having some problems. We migrated our podcasts over to a new platform. And so for the last week or so, people have been um, upset that they weren't able to hear podcasts or download podcasts. I understand your frustration. If you think you're frustrated, imagine how frustrated we are. But we are now completing the process and it sh everything should be returned to normal in short order. So please don't abandon uh, listening to the podcast. They'll be back up soon and uh, and you'll be able to, to access them. Uh, in the meantime, stay right where you are. I'll be right back. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. So many stories. Now the uh, more than 4,400 migrants, mostly Cubans with some Haitians, have arrived by boat in Florida since August. Why? Because those two countries are a mess. They have political crisis. They have an economic crisis. And because we don't have diplomatic relationships with Havana, we are having a tough time um, knowing what to do. If you're stopped at sea, they take you back to Cuba. Cuba will accept the people who are stopped at sea. But if they make it to land, it's a whole different story. What's so awful to me is that since August, we know that at least 65 migrants have died at sea. So all I can tell you is, you know, it's time for people to evaluate how they speak, how they think about this country and how they speak about this country and what their expectations are of this country. Because most of the world wants nothing more than to be in this country, than to get to the shores of this country where they feel they have a chance to live and be safe. So I am just, I'm so tired of having these debates and arguments with people who have never been hungry a day in their life, never had to uh, you know, uh, listen to air raids and bombs falling in, in their uh, you know, part of the world. Um, an entire generation who has never, never had to pay uh, the price that previous generations had to pay in spilled blood and in treasure. You know, this generation believes you can buy your way into anything and buy your way out of anything. And it's just not true for most of the people in this world. They live in places where there is no justice. And all they want is to get here. So I, I am, I'm one of, it's one of these weekends where I saw the hand of God. So I know he's still blessing you know, he's still in the miracle business because how does a little ship, a little boat, can't even call it a ship, a tiny little boat, how does it get spotted out in the middle of the vast Atlantic Ocean by a cruise ship? And then a rescue takes place. You know, there, there's no real explanation for that. I don't care what, uh, you know, what the newspaper articles say or even what the interviews with the captain or anybody else say. That is such a phenomenal occurrence that I have to attribute it to a loving God. And, and the fact that people are willing to risk their lives in this manner is stunning. And I don't know how we answer 
the problem of people fleeing to America. I really don't. But I'll tell you this. The next time somebody tells me how America is a bad country, is a racist country, an unjust country, how unless I am willing to apologize for sins I never committed to people who never had sins committed against them, the next time that conversation takes place, and sometimes it takes place with people who I love, I'm going to tell them that I will find someone who will switch places with them. That I know of play, of countries where everyone, short of the uh, corrupt governments and, and their minions, would gladly trade places with our university students who sit around worrying about diversity and, and uh, inclusion and, and all of this garbage that has been poured on top of them and made them hateful, hateful of their own heritage, hateful of their, their own country, I will gladly substitute a person who's anxious to get to this great land with them. That's, that's my, uh, my new idea. Anybody who wants to complain about America to me, and believe me, I, there's things that, that are worth discussing and debating, and there are changes that need to be made in this country. There's no question about that. But if you want to uh, down this country to me, if you want to tell me all that's wrong, and, and you want to live in your uh, cushy lives with your latte in hand and your self, your iPhone that's a computer in your hand and your comfortable homes and, and your great looking cars and, and all of that. If you're going to complain about this country, get out, go away. We will be able to replace you. Trust me. And the person that we replace you with will probably love this country because we'll get rid of all the people who don't love it and you won't poison their minds. They will see the opportunity. They will see the freedom, freedom to worship, freedom to speak, freedom to, to, to do things that in other countries they can't even dream about or discuss, where they would put their children and themselves on a rickety sailboat and just try to make it to the shore. They'd be glad to replace you you whiners and complainers. Uh, anyway, the had to vent, had to, had to say that. It's important sometimes that I just get to get it off my, my chest. But uh, I'm hoping that many of you saw the hand of God somehow this weekend. One place you didn't see it was uh, the uh, MLK statue in Boston, but I'll talk about that when we come back. Stay right where you are. So you know that there's a problem when the former ethics chief for the Obama-Biden administration, okay, we're not talking about a Republican, we're talking about a, gen a genuine Democrat, when they blast the, uh, the, the document, the, what are they calling it, Garage Gate? Obama administration ethics chief Walter Schaub said that President Biden's retention of classified documents at his think tank and Delaware garage is, quote, an inexcusable neglect of basic security protocols. He weighed in on the growing scandal that saw Biden's White House's attorneys turning over classified documents found at the Penn Biden Center think tank and by his Corvette 
in his Wilmington, Delaware garage. He said it's nothing like Trump's deliberate refusal to return classified records demanded by the National Archives, but Biden's own retention of classified records reflects an inexcusable neglect of the most basic security protocols. The fact that the White House didn't mention that records were found in more than one location when first asked about them was a breach of trust with the public and a self-inflicted wound. Based on what we know so far, it seems unlikely that he's at risk of any legal consequences, but I'm glad that Garland appointed a special counsel to show even-handed treatment of the current and former president. Let me tell you something. We don't know what is, what is in those documents. That we just don't know. The most serious discovery would be any evidence that Joe Biden worked off their documents or removed them from their classification folders. That would not only destroy the inadvertent defense, but make his public comments potentially deceitful. You know, if he's lying to the public and he's lying to the investigators, that's a serious problem. Even though gross mishandling does not require evil intent, Unintentional violations are often addressed outside of the criminal justice system. The most serious violations have been prosecuted where material was intentionally removed. Jonathan Turley said that intent can be established not only at the time of the removal, but during the storage of the documents, and that if these documents were used or knowingly possessed over the six years, it would qualify as an intentional act to unlawfully possess the material. The use of private counsel without clearances following the first discovery on November 2nd could itself be viewed as reckless and gross mishandling. Moreover, those lawyers are now likely witnesses in a criminal investigation. So the Republicans on the Hill demanded the visitor logs and they don't keep visitor logs. No such records exist for his home in Delaware. Like every president in decades of modern history, his personal residence is personal. But upon taking office, President Biden restored the Norman tradition of keeping White House visitors' logs, including publishing them regularly after the previous administration ended them. So here, let me explain this. They are not going to do anything to Joe Biden, regardless of the magnitude or you know, lesser magnitude of him violating basic security protocols. Not going to happen. Nor do I think it should happen. How about that? Because this is not, um, a, there is no evidence and no indication really that Joe Biden did anything with that information. Now the problem for Joe Biden arises in that for some reason, this house is apparently either owned by Hunter Biden or Hunter Biden claims it as his personal residence and pays $50,000 a month in rent. Now, help me out here, folks. I have seen some beautiful homes. You know, I have some very wealthy friends who have beautiful homes, multi-million dollar homes, gorgeous estates. I have two kids who've done exceptionally well and live in beautiful uh, multi-million dollar houses. So it's not like I've never seen such things. 
But nowhere on planet Earth have I heard of anyone, even for one of those houses, which this Delaware house wasn't, this Wilmington house wasn't, does somebody pay $50,000 a month in rent? Something else was going on here. And that something else really, really needs to be investigated. So I'm glad that, uh, you know, Merrick Garland now holds the future election in, in his hands. Think about it. He's got the two most likely contenders for the White House in 2022, both under federal investigation. Former President Donald Trump, who's already declared that he's going to run, and current President Joe Biden, who has almost declared he's going to run. And, and Merrick Garland has the keys to the White House in his hand right now, when you think about it. And this guy is really... Uh, Highly suspect. That's all I'm going to say. But but the hypocrisy of all of this is what really kills me. Uh, you know, now to listen to all these Democrat strategists say, well, it's really not that important, and it's not as bad as what Trump did, and it's not this, you know, either it's wrong and nobody should do it, or it's okay. It can't be both. And it can't be one because you're a Republican and one because you're a Democrat or one because you're Trump and one because you're anybody else, right? Just can't be that way. You know, it's like looking at these, uh, these morons on the left go down to the southern border talking about how New York City, this was uh, Mayor Adams, has no room, no more room for asylum seekers. The government needs to take action right now is what he was, uh, you know, spewing down at the border, okay? Well, let me explain something to you, Mayor Adams. We've known this. You're the only people who didn't seem to know it, all of you sanctuary city folks. You're the ones who decided, oh, it's not a big deal, and, and we love, you know, we want to meet the needs of every migrant in the world that comes to America. Send them to the Big Apple. You said that. And then when we sent them to the Big Apple, you freaked out. And said, no, 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 we can't, ta we can't handle this in the Big Apple, right? Imagine the audacity of that, of saying that, like, too bad for you, Texas, too bad for you, New Mexico, Arizona, Southern California, we feel for you, but we're not going to do a darn thing about it until they show up here, okay? So he makes his press conference down at the border, and uh, you you can't make this stuff up. He's got a backdrop that says nine one one, you know, the, which is the emergency number that you call, right? Nine one one, national problem, you know. Oh, really? Because it came home. And then, I guess they think that the American public really are stupid, and that we look at that stuff and we think to ourselves, well, you know, the mayor's right. You can't ask New York to take them. So what are you going to do with them? I'll tell you what they want to do with them. They want to sprinkle them throughout the red states, throughout the country, and and ruin the potential or the possibility of Republicans ever winning a national election again. That's what they want to do. And if you don't think that's what they want to do, either you are naive or you are just a political hack of the worst kind. Because, see, I'm not. I'm not. I I find this uh, Utah party, this both of these parties, reprehensible. They have stopped uh, defending the very people and the very country that they swore an oath to defend 
this constitution that they swore an oath to defend, they violate it, they trample it, they ignore it, they they de- degrade it and demean it, and then they show up at the border for a photo op, and they tell you all about how uh, you know they can't accommodate any more people. Jeez, I saw an interesting uh, a piece. I think it was a commentary by somebody in the Epic Times. I think it was over the weekend. And he talked about this whole transgender ideology and, uh, you know, uh, it disturbs me greatly. You've heard me talk about it. I've done podcasts about it. Um, and, and, you know, it's not that I don't believe that there are transgendered people in the world. I just don't believe that little kids should be allowed to make a decision like that ever, ever. I don't, I don't care you know, what the mitigating circumstances are. I've heard it all. You know, they feel bad and they become suicidal and they might kill themselves. No, 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 no. Our job as parents and as adults in society are to help people who are suffering from any kind of thinking that is either delusional or based on a temporary situation or just based on feelings, right? We don't, feelings do not trump biological facts. You know, there are existing procedures for dealing with transgender ideation. There always were. It was part of the protocol. There was a protocol in place for people who presented with transgendered ideation to psychologists or psychiatrists' office, it was actually listed as a disorder. Anyone who believed themselves to be the opposite sex, now all of a sudden, we're expected to accept that all they have to do is simply declare their new identity and bingo, presto, shazam, that's what they are. And then they engineered our language, right? And and now the lexicon police say that employers and media and, and, and colleagues and family should use the preferred pronouns that somebody who has decided that they are a transgendered person, uh, you must use whatever pronouns they've asked you to. Could be it, could be they, them, uh, the opposite gender. It's just, what what is wrong with us? People are under threats too. If they don't abide by this new rule, they can lose their jobs. They can, uh, they'll get excluded from social media. They'll be banned and shadow banned and 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 eliminated. And and then you have a Biden administration who says that doctors have to provide transgender hormones and surgeries even if they violate their moral and religious beliefs. So they're suing Catholic hospitals for refusing to do transgendered hysterectomies on, on, on people. See, what they've done is they've canceled womanhood. Females are now being called people with uteruses. We're supposed to believe that men can give birth and women have penises. Female athletes, they're forced to compete with trans women in track and swimming and golf and volleyball. The locker rooms were opened up. They were protesting that just this weekend. Just this weekend, you saw, you know, 
uh, people who were detransitioning gathered together with people who just don't understand why they're supposed to be accepting of this trans ideology being pushed on young people. Also, of course, TikTok, that's what they did. They came for our children on TikTok, and we let them. The number of children who claimed to be the opposite sex went from a bare trickle to a flash flood. And all, oh, we want to prevent youth suicides. You know what? A teenager claiming to be a transgender or non-binary, I don't even know what that means. We're not supposed to, that doesn't go unquestioned. We're supposed to really dig deep. If you claim to not be the biological sex that you were born, what is this nonsense that I have to give you social affirmation and never call you by your dead name? And I can only refer to you by your preferred pronouns. And then the schools go along with it. And then the kids get invited to family-friendly drag queen performances. So they have a totally sexualized childhood. And worse, they're put on these medical you know, drugs and hormones to prevent puberty. Come on, guys. Even the socially liberated countries, Sweden and Finland and France and the UK, even them, they're not exactly Bible Belt countries, right? They've said, wait a minute, you got to use caution when you block the puberty of kids or you perform body altering surgeries because we don't have enough information. There's not enough science and you could cause serious harm. Oh. You got to see the new documentary, The Detransition Diaries, that follows the three young women whose bodies were destroyed by, by adults who really just wither under criticism. So they'll do anything to avoid it. Don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock, the one and only Dan Bongino at, three, at 4 o'clock is Ben Shapiro. Oh boy, here goes my voice. It's almost gone. At six o'clock, the WPTV News, and then uh, we will have uh, uh, Joe Pags and Lars Larson, and the Morning Crew will be back first thing in the morning. In the meantime, don't touch that dial. I'll get some warm tea, and I'll be right back. Man, oh man, oh man! You just the more you look at what's going on, um, the more you get uh, you just get disturbed. Um, but again, I had one of those weekends when I really saw miracles take place. And I have to remind myself, and therefore I have to remind you, that uh, you know God is still in the miracle-working business. And don't give up. Think about all of the people who would give anything to be in the position you find yourself in today. You know, I think about how, you know, I have some pretty high, what, how do you describe it? You know, the problems I have today are uh, not real problems. They're just, they're just situations. They're things that I can resolve. There are solutions for every problem that you might have in America, even the, the most profound. I was looking at a, you know, a video somebody had sent me of a man in San Francisco. Now that, you know, I, I, I call it San Francisco or San Francisco because every time I go there, I just see things that just boggle my mind. And the thought that I have two grandsons growing up there really just, um, at times, I, I, I lose sleep over it. Let me put it to you that way. 
and it showed me this video of an antique dealer, right? He's got a shop in San Francisco. And every day, these homeless people come and defecate on the stoop or the step right in front of his door of his business, right? Even homeless people that he's tried to help, people that he's given, you know, uh, uh, aspirin to when they've had a headache or people he's, he's fed, you know, people that he's, he's not a, a, a mean-spirited person, but he got sick and tired of this one homeless lady literally defecating in front of his doorway of his shop every single day like it was her toilet. And so he took a hose out and ostensibly, I guess the hose was to wash away the human excrement that's all over the sidewalks in San Francisco, all over. Trust me, that's not an exaggeration. And so you have to have a hose, you know, so he's doing that. And then he just starts bathing her with the hose, you know, and oh, the outrage online. Oh my God, this man should be in jail. How dare he? And, you know, what is he doing to that poor woman? And I'm thinking... You know, when did we get so confused that we're more angry at the guy who's trying to keep people from defecating in front of his store doorway? We're angry at him and not angry at the people who are doing it. Now, get now understand this. I think anybody who takes a dump on the sidewalk is probably pretty mentally ill. I'm just saying, you know, because it's not something that any of us would do. So, uh, you know, I have sympathy, but do what Mayor Adams is doing. You know, London Breed needs to do what Mayor Adams is doing, and that's put them in, in, in uh, safe institutions. You heard me right. It doesn't have to look like Willowbrook. You know, we don't need, uh, you know, Geraldo Rivera exposing the terrible things that went on at Willowbrook. That was then. We can put them in nice facilities now. We can get the medical treatment. And if they don't like it, who was it that, that suggested this? It might have been... Uh, Greg Gutfeld or Jesse Waters, somebody suggested have autonomous zones for homeless people. If you determine that you want to stay homeless, that you're not interested in being sheltered by the, you know, the authorities, if you don't want to go to a, a, a hospital for, for your mental illness or you don't want to go somewhere where you can get treatment for your addiction, okay, we're going to have auto autonomous homeless zones and you go there. And if you come out of there and you start defecating or doing any of this crazy stuff, we're going to take you right back there. You're going to have a choice. You could go to the hospital and get help or you can go back to the autonomous zone. You know, I, I heard that and I thought, that's a brilliant idea. You know, instead of us tolerating this intolerable stuff and, and you know, uh, uh, subjecting our children and grandchildren to this stuff. Because... That's going to be normal to my grandson. You know, people doing that on the sidewalk. Like as far as he's con concerned, that's a, you know, that's a normal. Normal. I don't like that. I don't want that. Not for any generation coming up. Not in this great nation. You know, look, um, it's time. It really is time for us to say we have, you know, we have tried to remedy everything that was wrong in this country. And we have created new wrongs. And we're being asked to stop, to stop paying attention to the new wrongs because we might hurt somebody's feelings or we might do something that doesn't work out perfectly. Well, guess what? They didn't stop 
administering mRNA vaccines, as they call them, even though they didn't know if they were going to hurt us. And now, little by slowly, we're finding out that if you're over 65 and you had the Pfizer's, you could have a stroke, and that if you're a young man in your 20s or 30s and you uh, get cardiomyopathy or any of these other things that we're watching unfold right now, we didn't care. We didn't care enough to stop. And most of us didn't, didn't have the strength of courage, the courage to say, not me. That's a statement about us. Anyway, I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow. Oh, boy. If it be his will and I get my voice back. Um, what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then I, I pray that God bless you and God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.